The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is joining us, Global Commodity Analytics, sitting right next to me at Husker Harvest Days. It's been a great show and a lot of anticipation, a lot of nervousness as tomorrow's 11 o'clock tone of the bell, shall we say, will cause for some reaction. Is there any way we can just stop time and just stay at the Husker Harvest and not have a USD report tomorrow, Susan? That would be my uh, ideal thinking right now. But yeah, before every USDA report, I think of the movie line or whoever said it, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. And you know, that's kind of how I go into every report. And it's because it's a defense mechanism. And it's a defense mechanism, especially because of what's going on in the soy complex. And when you line up the average trade guesses of what kind of U.S. soybean carryover we're going to look at tomorrow, potentially, by USDA, it's literally going to be double of what we saw a year ago in 2017, 2018. And it's just hard to get that underneath and and kind of let that sink in in terms of how we handle that in our marketing plan. So by far, the two biggest numbers in the USDA report for me is the U.S. bean carryover number and then the world bean carryover number. Do we actually promote the idea that we're going to go from 106 million tons to 111 million tons of soybeans around the world? And that really kind of puts the kibosh, I think, on potential weather rallies or harvest delay rallies or even freeze scares uh, would be diminished with those kind of numbers. So it's really up to the USDA, I think, if we're going to get any kind of uh, supply scare or weather scare from here on out. You know, I thought last month's report was going to cause for some nervousness with as much hype as came into it. Is it one of those that it may be just more hype than than truth? Uh, It depends on whether USDA looks at the numbers from a standpoint of shrinking demand. If the trade sanctions are significant enough and the African swine fever is significant enough that we actually see demand go down, Susan, again this next month, I think that would make the market very nervous that big crops get bigger. And that's probably the key between the September report and what you see in October, November, December. We look at the way those soybeans traded today, it wasn't a pretty picture, some double digit down on the trade, but to be expected pre-report day? Yes and no. Yes, from a standpoint of the trade loves to spread, it seems, before a report, they'll either buy the beans and sell the corn or vice versa. Today, they chose to buy the corn and sell the beans, I think in part, and this is why it wasn't a good day for the soybeans and probably adds a little bit more nervousness to the trade, was we did see some cancellations from unknown destinations. We're not out of the woods when it comes to being able to understand how bad the demand's going to get hit in terms of U.S. export demand in China and Southeast Asia. We just It's such an unknown right now. I thought about it while I was driving up here this morning from Atchison to the Husker Harvest Days, and I thought... What is different this year than maybe any other year going into a September report? And it's that we can't put our hands around the demand number. We either domestically, because of the size of the pig crop and some of the livestock feeding and the crushing demand, we can't put it underneath us in terms of the U.S. exports. And then we have the world situation with the swine fever. We just can't get our hands around where the demand is for soybeans. That's been a constant the last 10 or 15 years. Soybean imports were always going to be strong and building. 
When you look to the, the folks to the south, and I'm talking South America, they've got a lot of issues that they're dealing with from the value of their money to where they're going to see crop numbers at. Yeah, and the big thing that I talked about with you a couple days ago, I think, was the idea that there are supplies in South America. Argentina's producers are sitting on supplies of beans. We saw Conab come out on uh, uh, Monday, or excuse me, on Tuesday morning and talk about matching up their production estimate for their bean crop with the United States Department of Agriculture numbers from August, and that was an, an up above 119 million tons. So it, the beans are out there in terms of the supplies, and I think the other side of the coin, talking about the demand side, flipping to the supply side is what kind of bean crop do we have here in the United States? I, I think the vast majority of the colleagues I work with in Chicago or the crushers that I know that are globally uh, oriented they're much more worried about bean yields going up than corn yields right now. That's an, probably the number two thing I'll be watching is does USDA keep the corn yield the same and actually make corn an anchor when it comes to prices? I think of this report that comes out tomorrow, how we could see some differing numbers depending on how this hurricane works out. The Carolinas are, of course, thoughts and prayers go to everybody with that uh, evacuation that they're in right now on the coast. These producers have been hit nationwide with one issue after the other. Let's just throw a hurricane in for those Carolina farmers and the way it'll affect the market trade. Well, I think it'll affect the futures faster than the cash basis, but it shouldn't be that way. If you're going to really hurt the crop somewhere in the country, you would theoretically have the basis pulling beans from one location that's deficit to another location that's surplus, or vice versa, I should say. And so you would want the basis to react, but I think futures traders will react first. And I, I wouldn't trust that move. If I, had a, if I had a rally on the futures side because of the hurricane, and I didn't see the cash markets move, Susan, I'd probably want to sell into it when it comes to the futures. we got to keep in mind one simple thing. The national bean price right now, cash, is 740 and we're dealing with almost an 840 futures price. There's a dollar spread between the nation's cash bean price and the futures right now. So it's a double whammy. It is a double whammy for a time, I think. Then eventually, I think it starts to work itself out. But I can't see the elevators out there in the country with the trade sanctions, with African swine fever, and with talk of great big bean yields really pushing the demand side or trying to bid up beans to bring in cash bushels. I think it'd be more of a futures move. 2018 is going to go down as a year of interesting happenings within this market. It really is. And I think that's the sad thing is that it could have been a lot better had it not been for the NAFTA and the trade sanctions and if we would have gotten E15. Now, if we could just get NAFTA taken care of, get this whole dairy situation taken care of with Canada and move forward like producers want. I think that would be a boost to all commodities. I think a rising tide would lift all boats because it's a sentiment issue now, I think. And that's where we're at. We're just kind of down in the dumps when it comes to trade. We see the emerging markets getting weaker. We see their currencies getting weaker. We think, oh, now the trade sanctions are going to hit commodities all over again. Well, stick around, folks. We do have more coming up here on the Fontenelle Final Bell from Husker Harvest Days. Some interesting information when it comes to the African swine fever and where it has spread to another country. Stick around. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network from Husker Harvest Days. Mike Zuzalo is joining us once again. You and I were just chatting during the commercial break of what's going on in this hog market. And I said to you, if we're seeing the expansion of the African swine fever, why didn't the hogs react into some positives? And then you kind of tossed in the hurricane as well. So the number one question producers asking you today here at Husker Harvest Days is why? Why did the hogs not react like you thought they should have? Yeah, in the, in the 
quick answer is I don't think they should have been beat down so badly, Susan. But the only guess that I would present right now is that because we have it moving into Japan and because Japan has now stopped exports of pork, not just hogs, I wonder if the trade is having a knee-jerk reaction to a loss of pork consumption, that the fear in consumers will be don't eat Asian pork because it's going to have something in it. I don't know that to be the case. That's just a best first-hand guess, a first-glance guess after this kind of a hit. But, but you're right. When you look at the Southeast Asian pork and poultry infrastructure that we have in this country and you look at this African swine fever now jumping into Japan, the only thing I can think is we're not going to have a lot of supplies come the first quarter of 2019 if this stuff gets worse. And then you look at these uh, producers that are over there wondering who's next. Where else is this going to transfer to? Exactly. And I have it on fairly good authority from producers that I work with who have bought seed stock and genetics that work with people in China. And the Chinese are just now repopulating with the superior genetics, the American, the Western genetics. And I think this is a, a double whammy because those new hogs are just coming online in terms of production facilities and them being able to have farrowings and coming into the meat mix. And if we have African swine fever in the best herd that China's ever seen, how are they going to repopulate that all over again? So I hate to say taking the doom and gloom and turning it into a positive. Does this mean possibly some good news come 2019 for the U.S. pork producer? I think it could mean good news for the U.S. livestock producer in general. I really think between I've been looking at a cycle low in the live cattle, a 10-year cycle low coming into place here in, in the end of 17, early 18, and between this cycle low and this issue with the African swine fever and the cheap grain prices, I think we really could be positioning ourselves for a, a, a profitable expansion in cattle. That's I'll just put it out there, just simply put. That's going to be probably the major thing I develop in my analysis in 2019 for the winter seminars and when I sit down with producers and ranchers uh, to map out an idea of how profitable it may be. Livestock producers nervous about the hurricane as well? I think they are. You haven't heard much from them, though. I think the, the, the Midwest livestock producers are hoping that this gives a necessary jolt to the hog market. What else are we looking at cattle-wise as we look at the market today moving into the rest of the week? You know, I noticed the dress weights went up a couple pounds in the fats um, on the weekly production sheet. We're still, I think, six or eight pounds below last year at this time, so I'm not nervous right now. But I could see a general trend. If the soybeans pull this market down throughout the rest of the month of September because of USDA's numbers uh, on, on Wednesday, I could see where the, the meat continues to build in terms of dressed weights. So marketing's in the near term you probably would want to be a little bit more current and work a little bit faster when you hit those price targets. 115 December fat cattle seems to be a good place to start. We are post-Labor Day, so we normally see a drop in that meat consumption over the counter, a push to keep those cold storage numbers down? Yeah, I think that's what you'll see the livestock producers have to contend with as well. I think you bring up a huge point. You'll probably start to see a seasonal decline in cold storage numbers, and that's going to mean we're going to have to get it out of cold storage and put it out there in the meat shelves. Especially with this all looming over in Japan. It's just like this big cycle between Japan, China, and, and the pork. It really is. That's where you think, okay, that that meat supply is safe. It, does, it probably doesn't have the African swine fever. It hasn't been around that area at all. So that's a really good point. 
Anything else we need to keep an eye out livestock-wise and how maybe they'll react to tomorrow's report? Maybe not in the livestock, but I think on tomorrow's report, I've always felt that the wheat market is the leader to the upside. If we're going to put a low in the grains, it's really got to be from the wheat market. So far, that's panned out, Susan. I would really want the wheat market to find a low. If I could see anything making a low after the September numbers come out, it would be the wheat because we don't have to worry about a harvest pressure or excess bushels or yield or demand. I think we've got a situation where the supply and demand numbers should be fairly well known. So I'd like a low in wheat and I'd like it to be a hard low where we don't even look back and get back above $5 in soft red wheat. Don't even turn our heads back. From your neck of the woods, you've gotten some decent rains. That should help the, the winter wheat crop. Yeah, I think you're going to see acres up. I think this is where, you know, you really want to be a more aggressive marketer than normal, probably, in the early winter months of December, January. If we could get a a weather rally, a freeze scare, a Russian scare, something like that, or just a good outright demand run, you know, you get up towards $6 in new crop 19 July wheat and soft red and hard red futures. Don't turn that away as far as your first marketings, if you ask me. Lots of things to think about for tomorrow's report. Best way for producers to get hold of you, Mike? Best way is to go to globalanalytics.biz on the website or call me toll-free after the market closes, 866-471-2588. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell talking to you from Husker Harvest Days, where we will continue two marketing seminars still the next two days. So come on out here and join us. Thanks to Fontenelle and all the Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network. Radio Network.